Betting is up, viewing is up and down, and some uh, grouchy fans have a gloomy forecast for the sports industry. Hello and welcome to Double AI, the podcast on analytics and the business of sports. I'm Phil in uh, cloudy and smoky Pasadena. Say hello to the world, one of the world's leading AI evangelist, Ari, is in Chicago. Hey, Ari. Hey, everyone. Hi, Phil. And uh, Andrew's down in smoky San Diego as well. Andrew's our data scientist. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Phil. Hey, Ari. Well, the uh, sports industry now has a negative image among fans. 30% of Americans viewing it positively, but 40% negatively. That's a, a negative 10 net, according to a recent Gallup poll. A year ago, guys, about a 30-point swing, 20% positive score. So, Ari, you were in polling. What does something like this mean right now? Yeah, well, th there's oftentimes many factors, um, but it, th this is not viewership. This is the positive or negative um, uh, interpretation. So I know, uh, you know, w what's changed since last year? You know, there's like the civil, uh, you know, civil, uh, you know, challenges racial equality causes. Um, so the NFL players and, and owners took some position. Um, and, and, you know, that, that may or may not align with some of the fans. It could be that there is um, other sports that's like all going on in parallel. So it could be that um, that's not as much a factor, but other sports are, are see, being seen as more positive. So they're kind of fleeing one sports positivity. Um, and then there's the economy. Um, you know, it could be that some people when they're down on money don't relate as well to higher paying athletes. Or it could be something just in general where the, the, the American population is uh, gloomy and that just affects positivity in general. So we, we need to do better surveys to figure out why. Well, the NFL annually way overreacts after week number one and fans and reporters do and we're not so we're, we're going to think that maybe in a week things will turn around they'll be just fine we're not going to overreact about that but if we take a look at week number one andrew and we're going to talk about the business of this tv viewership down 10 percent for the season opener with the defending super bowl champ chiefs they beat up on houston last thursday night down 28% for NBC's marquee game. That's uh, the Cowboys at the Rams. The Rams won a close one. But viewership way up, and this is what everybody's touting right now to keep it from being entirely negative. Tom Brady's loss to Dubreeze and uh, the Saints, the most watched TV show since uh, Kansas City's win in the Super Bowl a year ago. So, Andrew, how do we, how do we position that? It's a really mixed message, I think, right now. It's going to be something we have to watch over the rest of the season. Um, I was surprised that the evening games were all down. Um, I expected people to tune in. The NFL is the number one sport in America. And to see it drop, we've talked about it dropping in the other sports because of sports overload and too many things on. Um, but I assumed people would come back to the football so we'll have to see what happens as the NBA playoffs quiet down and as we get through the Major League Baseball season. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's really 
I think the NFL is probably right to be a little bit concerned that, you know, is there something wrong? Um, we can take some good news from the uh, Tampa Bay game, but how long does that last, right? I think there was just a huge amount of curiosity about Tom Brady and such a massive change after his storied career. Well, mixed message, accurate, because we're, we're getting a couple of things. One, the fantasy football player or the sports gambler up, maybe the normal fan or the average fan or casual fan down. Let's run some numbers from the American Gaming Association. 13% of all Americans, that's about the 33 million people, planning to wager this season. 20% of those wagering uh, will do it at a physical sports book. Another 34% will bet online, both legally and illegally. So guys, the, the gamblers fully engaged and embracing, in fact, rushing back to having something that gives them action, right? Absolutely. And we were expecting this all along. We've been talking over and over again about how hungry the gamblers were. Um, it's interesting, the gamblers, I'd like to see the fantasy sports viewership or fantasy sports numbers because we've talked about those challenges. And I also wonder if that doesn't play into some of the prior um, TV rating problems. We've suspected that fantasy sports drives a lot of viewership. If people aren't playing, are they less likely to watch? It's something to be to watch over the course of the season, and it may require the NFL to make some real changes in the offseason if it continues. Well, we have some more data about that. Online betting growing for sure. 18 states and uh, D.C. have legalized it. Betters, uh, characteristically, are not loyal to a team or sport. They just want the action. The NFL uh, this year stands to gain about $2.3 billion in revenue from legal sports betting. That's uh, according to the AGA, American Gaming Association. Here's why. More than 40% of American adults, the general fans, say they're less excited about this NFL season than last year. Okay, so that's a, that's a downer. But here's what's up. The amount bet on the opening weekend in the NFL about double last year. How do we make sense of that? Ari? Yeah, well, just hearing that, 40% of American adult fans are less excited. That is an incredible, no pun intended, game-changing amount of information. That's a huge drop, almost half. It's hard to get my head around that. Um, yeah, but where one aspect goes down and one aspect goes up, um, it, it, it is hard to put to, to de decompose that. They're almost opposing uh, levers. Um, um, you know, I, I just think we're in different times. It could be not having fans is one thing, although to be honest, I watched some of the games and was just as much into it with or without fans. Um, you know, it could be that just that, you know, every single sport is playing right now and the NFL is like the last one in the door. So people are just watching NBA playoffs and uh, baseball pennant races. So the NFL was kind of, unless you're like the super duper duper fan, you, um, no, I had to choose NBA playoffs or NFL. Um, and and I, I, except for the day games, I chose the playoffs. You know, Andrew, I'm sitting here looking over Ari's shoulder. SoFi Stadium, 
is brand new, is gorgeous. There are fans in this uh, artist rendering. No fans on Sunday night. Made me wonder, boy, you only get one time, one opportunity to do that, right? Um, and there will be another one time, and the Rams will do it up big. The NFL will do it well. But what we're getting into is a separation in somewhat, and somewhat, uh, somewhat right now. Separation right now. And the business of this bears that out. ESPN's reach deals with Caesars Entertainment and DraftKings. Caesars sent an exclusive odds partner for ESPN. DraftKings exclusive daily, <laughs> daily fantasy uh, provider. ESPN will earn, get this, they'll earn customer referral fees along with minimal revenue guarantees. The Caesars agreement will uh, see that uh, Caesars Sportsbook sponsor uh, will, uh, will sponsor ESPN's fantasy sports products. I'm trying to get this out there. I'm doing my homework. Caesars Sportsbook teams up with William Hill. Um, ESPN recently opened a studio in a hotel link, which is a Caesars property. We've tried to track this the last month to two months just so that we'd when we got to this point, we'd have an understanding of what's going on. And William Hill is proving to be the big dog. William Hill not only partners with ESPN, but partners with CBS, similar to the manner in which Yahoo partners with uh, Bet EMGM. But Yahoo is, has one of the largest websites because it's so popular globally. Uh, impressions globally are, I think, only second to just a couple of uh, websites. They're a top five global presence. Those are big deals. So summary, Andrew, NFL, ESPN viewership, they're really down, especially with the regular fan, not the gambler, not the fantasy. But both are embracing the sports better, and both are embracing the fantasy player right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's some summarization we can do across all of this because when we think about going back to some of the earlier things that you you had mentioned you know 40 percent of americans are saying they're less excited um, i think that's also tied into the drop in overall um, support for sports in general and i think it plays into a wide variety of things already covered a bunch of them but i am sure the lack of the in-person fan experience is driving some of both of those. Um, but I wonder if the other piece is the amount that was bet doubled, but only 13% of Americans are talking about betting on sports. There may be money at play, but this is a relatively small audience compared to the total population of sports fans. Um, and one of the things I've always wondered, and I think we need to watch going forward, is how much does this um, embrace of the sports betting market impact the view of the regular fans, especially the non-betting fans? Does it begin to turn people off? Fair question. And uh, we're tiptoeing into the college football, the bulk of the college football season this coming weekend, what we've seen over the last two weeks, just an appetizer. Big League Baseball is just two weeks away from the playoffs. Major League Baseball announcing they may allow fans, up to 10,000 fans, for World Series games, including families. Uh, World Series starting uh, scheduled to start on October 20th, run for about a week. That at Arlington, Texas, in the Rangers' new ballpark. It's beautiful to watch games in that stadium. But, um, all right, there's more that's unfolding about Major League Baseball playoff plans. As we record this, 
on a Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, they, um, you know, well, Tuesday morning, they finally announced, uh, you know, the cities that they were considering, Los Angeles, uh, San Diego, and then the World Series in Arlington, Texas. And then, you know, we were talking about the, the great fires and all the smoke challenges during the during our podcast, they uh, postponed uh, the, you know, one of the games in California, um, Northern California due to the smoke. And then they are announcing as a contingency, if it stays bad for the playoffs, that they'll possibly move from San Diego and or LA to Phoenix. And that, that was just like within like the half hour. So things are moving quickly. And um, yeah, that, that's another sad challenge uh, in America right now where these massive fires going on uh, affecting the games. Yeah. New York Mets announced a new owner. He's 64-year-old billionaire hedge fund manager Steve Cohen, the New York guy, Mets fan. He's currently owns 8% of the team. Expect changes, though. Probably change for the good in some regards. Since 2011, Mets have finished with a record, winning record only three times. Got to the World Series once and lost to the uh, Royals back in 2015. But, you know, Mets are only two games out of the wild card uh, as we start the beginning of this week. Uh, National League wild card be interesting. American League wild card really not as competitive. But, guys, the surprise of the season, we thought it might be the American League Central. but we And, and your twins are right there, Andrew. But we have to go with Ari's Southsiders. They're the best surprise. They're the most fun surprise of the year so far, Ari. Yeah, I um, don't know if this shows up, but I was at the game as best as I can be outside the stadium. You could see uh, there's no cars there and a bunch of geese running around. <laughs> um, but, but you could sometimes hear the crack of the bat, um, see the lights. So it was a, a fun experience for me. Um, but, yeah, they, they've done very uh, well. Rick Hahn uh, spent many years trying to get youth, trying to trade, had a couple things that didn't work out in the past. But this year it's working out. Moncada had some challenges when he first came up. Some of their other youth uh, had to be traded. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting to see. As well as in uh, Andrew's backyard, San Diego um, made some key, uh, you know, key moves in the past to get prospects and then made some key moves again uh, the season to, to be in it to win it. And they're, what, a game and a half behind the Dodgers. But, yeah, they're playoff bound probably no matter what. Well, we talked about the White Sox. They have the best record and run differential in the American League. They've won nine of the last ten. Tim Anderson might be the most valuable player. And if he's not, one of, uh, one of two of his other teammates might be. Uh, Think of this, in war over the last month in American League, position players, Jose Abreu one, uh, Louis Robert two, Anderson three. So Ari, you go first. Which one of those guys is the MVP? And then Andrew, you take a shot at it. Who's the American League MVP? Jeez, I, I don't know. I, my bias, having gone to a gazillion White Sox games, would uh, be Abreu. Um, Probably most improved could be Anderson. What about you, Andrew? 
of, of the three I'd lean to Abreu, I think Nelson Cruz is in there, especially depending on what actually happens in the central. Um, I, the White Sox are a great story. They're a phenomenal team. But I'd also like to point out, we talk about the NFL not panicking at the beginning, but in a 60 game season, the White Sox did have a slightly easier opening than they will have a closing. Um, they finished their games against the Tigers and the Royals. Um, whereas some of the other teams they're competing with still gets to play the Royals and the Tigers. So we'll see how that plays out, um, especially when we've got, to be fair, still an extremely tight three-way race for the Central. Well, guys, we get a split hairs over the next two weeks looking at the National League wildcard. Uh, San Francisco Giants are the eighth seed. They have a losing record. Five teams within a couple of games of the Giants is the last seed in the National League. In fact, if the playoffs started today, the Giants would be the eighth seed in the National League. Houston, eighth seed in the American League, both with losing records. Uh, that'd be interesting. But uh, back to what you said, Ari, in Andrew's hometown, Slam Diego, Padres haven't lost in a week. They've won eight straight, and they're hosting the Dodgers in what we'll call a show-and-tell series. Because the Dodgers have not been challenged much this year. Uh, in fact, no one in that West cluster other than these two teams really put up much of a consistent battle. Although it's been fun to watch the Rockies at time, fun to watch the Giants at time. You know, the A's just lost Matt Chapman, but uh, that's not quite the challenge. All right, when you look at what's happening this week with the Padres and the Dodgers, what do you see? Uh, well, the Dodgers have extreme depth. Uh, the Padres have excitement, what you might call momentum, which is sometimes hard to do analytically, but they have momentum. They have a fresh infusion of great talent uh, and young Tatis and, you know, and others. So that they have uh, you know, all the excitement and momentum. And um, having had this long drought of not making the playoffs yeah. is uh, really driving them giving them like that extra adrenaline boost for the, for this final sprint. Oh, Andrew, Ari's being kind. The Padres have fielded a triple A team for most of the last decade. And now you can't even get out to the games. And hey, San Diego County is a baseball haven. People love baseball there, but not able to get out to these games, obviously. It, it, it's heartbreaking. I, I suffered through many, many very painful August nights watching them feel, to be fair, a mediocre AAA team in some <laughs> cases. Um, yeah, and so it really hurts that this is happening. Um, San Diego is a weird town, though, because there's so many transplants. There's so many people for whom the Padres are their second favorite team. Um, so the Padres tend to be very much a bandwagon team, although under a normal year, the San Diego fans would be going insane. Well, guys, we're about done. Let's break down a couple of uh, analytic uh, points on this season. One is about defensive shifting. And this is from a Sports Information Systems blog. The team that's utilized defensive shifting best this season, and we're going to break this down a couple of ways, they've created the most cu cumulative value for positioning infielders, also called infield positioning, run saved. Big surprise, it's the Seattle Mariners. That's from Sports Information Solutions. Uh, and then one player who's really hot and not getting much attention, you guys know how much I enjoy closing out our shows, 
with someone that gets no attention whatsoever. Kansas City Royal shortstop Adalberto Mondesi, unbelievable. He's the first player in the modern era of the game to record four games in a six-game span with a home run and a stolen base in four of six games. Never happened before. <laughs> not with Mike Trout, not with Mookie Betts, and uh, not with what's happening at Slam Diego right now with uh, Tatis, who's amazing. Uh, Mondesi, 25 years old, a career 240 hitter in five seasons. One of the things I like about him, you know, he, he has a Twitter account. I went on and, and took a look. Um, his last tweet dates back to Thanksgiving of 2017. <laughs> Mondesi is the anti-social media warrior of the day. All right. Next week, bring on the Major League Baseball playoffs. We're about there, guys. Our 60-game sprint is getting to the home stretch and down the stretch they come. All right, Andrew, thanks for hanging out. Really appreciate you guys. Andrew, stay away from the smoke if you can. And Ari, you too. Take a, keep an eye on those ducks. If you, if you follow Ari on Twitter, you can see a picture of those ducks at Sox <laughs> Park, by the way. Well, that's, that's a good us. Go ahead. No other reason but to see the ducks would be good. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for us this week. This is Double AI, the podcast on analytics. I want to say goodbye to Andrew. See you, Andrew. See you, everyone. And see you, Ari. See you, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week here on Double AI.